Hey guys, I'm on a walk right now, so you might hear birds, cars, things like that, but there's no way in heck that I'm finding peace in my own house, so I'm uh, taking you on my walk with me. This episode is going to be about me, because I'm a narcissist now, because I think it's really important if you're going to be listening to me talk for I don't even know how long, you should know why I'm putting this much effort into it and where all this passion comes from because I can tell you that it did not come overnight and I'm not just on Instagram trolling looking at all these fitness inspirers and gurus and saying wow I want to be like that no I've lived through a lot of traumatic stuff and I know that sounds a bit dramatic like what could I have been so traumatized by, wow, Amanda, what are you talking about? You're so happy. Yes, I am a happy person, but it's not easy to be happy. Now, it's something that you have to work towards, and it's not a short-term goal. Okay, so my parents are divorced, as is most other people's. That's not abnormal, but because of that, the way I was set up at a very early age kind of triggered certain things, you know? I mean, I'm not a psych major at all, but I'm pretty sure that it could do something to a child at a young age, having two homes and two expectations for two sets of lives. My mom got remarried and we are set up pretty nice. You know, I pretty much got whatever I wanted as far as, you know, especially with food, supermarket, just grabbed whatever I wanted. And on the weekends when I would see my dad, he would want to make me happy. He would give me whatever I wanted. Not in like such a crazy whack job, kid, spoiled brat, grabbing things, eating them, you know, eating the wrapper, chocolate on the face, Willy Wonka. No, not like that. I mean, more like, you know, if I wanted a sandwich, he would get me two or he would get me the biggest one and he would put extra mayonnaise on it and had that advantage or so I thought it was an advantage. I was living in bliss. This was great. Food was comfort for me. And I always needed it. I always thought about it. My typical eating schedule in middle school was depressing. I would wake up and I would have breakfast, knowing me, like Cocoa Pebbles or Cocoa Puffs. Big Cocoa Gal. Still am. At my public school lunch was about 10:30, 11 a.m. Depending on the day, if it was Pizza Friday or you know the normal day, it was probably a chicken patty sandwich with waffle fries, probably a bag of chips or a couple of cookies, whatever I wanted to snack on. And I would always grab a chocolate milk. Or if someone offered me a snack, I would of course never turn that down. Or even on the bus, people would sometimes, if it was someone's birthday. And, you know, someone comes on the bus and they're going home and they're holding up a big box of munchkins because they brought three boxes and only the class ate one because my high school is filled with skinny people and no one wanted to eat and all the boys would eat them. And there were only two boys in each class. So all these girls didn't eat the donuts. Now they're bringing them on the bus. And now I'm there and I'm like, oh, I'll have a donut. And then I would get home. So I would have the house home alone. Maybe I had an hour or so. You know, I would make a sandwich, just white bread, um, ham. Sometimes I would put chips in the sandwich. Yes, chips in the sandwich. Cape Cod chips in the sandwich. Um, Eat that, fine. 
My mom used to get those 100 calorie packs. And, you know, the goal of those are to only eat one as to only limit your calorie intake to 100 calories per snacking sitting. Uh, no, that didn't fly. I had maybe like three mini Oreo 100 calorie packs. And then I would go out to the kitchen and make another sandwich. I always I had this thing where I always needed to finish with sweet if I started with savory and vice versa. A scoop full of Nutella, maybe, or Hostess, whatever, whatever it was. Another 200 calorie packs, who knows. My stepdad would come home from work and he would have food. And we ordered out a lot. And we would order from somewhere like Hands, and I would get an appetizer, usually the cheese fries. And then I would get the buffalo chicken sandwich. Fried, of course, not grilled. They, they do give an option, just to confirm. The fries, all the sides. Usually, my uh, family would have a few of the appetizers in the middle of the table, too. I would have that. And then later, my stepdad would make his nightly run to Carvel, an ice cream shop. And I would place an order for a medium. And by the way, the mediums are huge. Uh, medium cookie dough ice cream with chocolate chips, hot fudge, and gummy bears. And I'm not a tall girl. Not like this matters. Like I was I was not that tall. <laughs> so like weight never looked so great on me, but not like it really mattered. It showed, definitely showed I had to wear baggy clothes. During that time, I would guess I was eating somewhere between two to 4,000 calories a day depending, I definitely wasn't happy. And I would distract with cartoons and food. And look, did it make me a funnier person? And was I more well-rounded than I probably, you know, should have been? Yes, I was definitely a social kid. I wasn't shy. I don't care. I would throw my flab everywhere. I would shake my, jiggle my arms. I don't care. Sometimes was I the end tail of a joke? Yeah. Yeah, I was. You know, when things got a little more complicated towards the end of middle school and, oh, just like the endeavors of middle school. You know, people were dating and people started talking about sex and talking about, you know, who was hot. This was when everyone was starting to take looks really seriously. From this early on, in middle school, I really did have trouble trying to find my look. And being a little heavier set, maybe at this time I was approaching 160, 170 pounds. I wouldn't know what to wear, what my look was. I'm like, what the heck? What do I wear? Look at all these girls are all wearing their Abercrombie track suits. And that would not look good on my muffin top. So I was like, no way, not doing that. I started hanging out with a lot of boys. But as one of the boys, so to speak, that had a big role on my style. Like, I remember just listening to classic rock and punk all the time. And so I would dress accordingly. Like, I would shop at Hot Topic and Zoomies. I'd wear Vans or Converse instead of whatever it was at the time, like Uggs or Sperry's. You know, I liked it, though. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like myself per se, like I found my style. It was only like, okay, I know this is temporary. And I would 
pick the clothes out and buy them. Like I knew deep down that wasn't me, but I figured what else am I going to wear? I would pretty much just find two things that matched in color and put them on my body. That was basically it. I thought everyone has a style, and I guess the middle school can kind of feel that way. I'm comparing myself all the time, and those were my goals. And when you think about having a diet, I mean, those are short-term goals. Once my goals changed, once my priorities changed, in a town where I grew up, a lot of the girls like a movie in the town where I grew up in the town where I grew up a lot of the girls were skinny and rich (laughs) let's put it that way I mean I'm I'm not born in like Beverly Hills or anything but just to put that in perspective a lot of the girls were really small really tiny um really girly and really had the nice stuff and like look I could have had the nice stuff but I didn't ask my mom for that not like I'm saying that's like good on my character. I'm just saying that's just not what I asked for. And so I didn't get it. And so I was walking around with a Beatles t-shirt down to my knees and sweatpants. Like That's what I wore. I really do think that it was because of my priorities. It was that shift in them, which really made me a better person. Like once you change your priorities in life, everything else kind of falls in place. So like if someone is all about money, you'll pretty much do whatever you can to get that. So maybe it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to push these people out of my life or enter new bad people into my life or I'm going to do reckless things. Or even if you're looking at someone and you're saying, wow, I want to be like her. She looks so happy and so pretty. And it's like, you know, maybe if I just I don't go out, I'm not going to go out. No, I'm going to prioritize looking like that. And I'm going to go on keto for a week. And I want to look like that. Those aren't realistic expectations. You need to work on them. If you want longevity and happiness over a long period of time, and if you want to really just feel settled into your skin, it needs to be a long-term plan. When you want to be happy, not just happy for a week. You don't want to be just happy for a week. If your happiness is, oh, I want to lose 20 pounds by the end of the month, then that whole month you're going to be miserable. You're going to be pushing people out of the way that you don't want to push out of the way. You're going to push out activities. You're going to push out other things that actually, ironically enough, could make you happy. Things that like birthday parties or going out with your friends for drinks at night or you cannot expect to have these long-term effects short-term. You just can't. You know, you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, I only have, you know, a week to lose this weight. Don't talk to me. No one talk to me. It's just, that's not what's going to get you happy. And that's not even going to get you the physique you want. And let me tell you something else. Once you get that physique, you might not be happy with it. You know, maybe the way that your body loses weight is different than someone else's. Maybe once you do lose the weight, you're going to want to lose more. Or maybe it's not what you wanted. Maybe you want to build muscle. Maybe the look you wanted is actually what happens when someone goes from being skinny and gaining muscle, not from starting off, you know, small and then you keep losing weight. When I saw myself in the mirror, and this is a story that I really don't share with too many people. I maybe only told like two people this. 
So one time um, after school, I had a doctor's appointment, you know, and I would always dread those. Uh, I would go and get the weight and the height, all that regular physical. And my mom had driven me directly after that physical to my friend's house. And I just remember feeling really, really upset, like just really internally upset. I got to their house and I said, guys, I just got back from the doctor and they said that I weighed 176 pounds. Their reactions were, wow, Amanda, no, you don't even, you don't look that heavy. But nevertheless, they stuck to that story. (laughs) Yeah, they were like, no, Amanda, like, you don't look that heavy at all. And I was saying, really? Yeah, like, I never thought so either. We just kept hanging out, went home. And I remember that week was really bad. I was just really upset. And I didn't feel good about myself. And I didn't know why. I'm like, I've looked like this forever. Why do I just now feel like crap? I just remember that's when I started to like really wanted to lose weight. Like I really wanted to do this. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know. I didn't have like a number in mind. I was just kind of like envisioning these other girls in my grade at the time. And I said to myself, self, you want to look like that. Those are what the boys like. That's what everyone else is. And if you look like that, maybe you can play sports. You won't feel ridiculous running, all these things. You know, after a week's worth of doing whatever bullcrap I thought was healthy, you know, I hopped on the scale. And, like, I just remember it going up. It was just strangely up. It was like, no way. I'm like, there was no way that I gained, like, five or six pounds in a week. Like, what? I just didn't get it. I, I was so, I was just devastated. And my mom's bathroom, that's where the scale was. I just remember using her shower that night. That way I could weigh myself. And I just remember going straight from the scale and up to the mirror. Her whole bathroom was covered in mirrors. And I just remember looking at every angle of my body. And I just, I just remember, and and I'm nude, and I'm maybe... 14, 13, and I'm leaning over and I'm looking at myself and and I'm just grabbing my fat. I'm just grabbing like my fists are just on my arms, like on my stomach, on my on my hips and my legs. Both my hands were on my stomach, churning the fat into my stomach. And I literally remember saying this out loud. And I look back at this and I'm like, wow, that's just awful. How, like, how could I say this? I said, I was crying. I put my hands on my face. And I just remember pulling back my face to make it thinner. Pulling my face back from my chin and my neck and my cheeks. And I said, if you just lost that weight, you would look so beautiful. You would just be perfect. If you just were skinnier, you would be great. And I just remember thinking, what's wrong with me? Like, what's happening? I didn't have control over my body. And I I did have issues with throwing up at some point. It wasn't constant. 
you know, but then it was always okay. I would get up in the morning. First person I would see is my best friend, Emily, and we would just, you know, bullshit and laugh. And um, it was nice because at the time we were in middle school and we were so just ignorant to it. We just didn't care. We were thinking about other things and we were having too much fun just being kids like kids should be. It was just traumatizing to always have that, to always compare. And I'm telling this story because this is what pushed me to set up my priorities. And, you know, this lasted from middle school up until junior year of high school. That's when I started to change and not this episode, but the next or sometime after I'm going to go into the early stages of my lifestyle change. And I'm going to really break it down. My thought process, what I thought at the time would work, what I thought I wanted, what I pictured in my head I wanted and what the reality of that was. The, uh, the rude awakening I had when it came to fitness and all of the technicalities that come hand in hand with wanting to change your lifestyle. What that really means, what you really want. Because if you don't want it, no one else is going to put the food in your mouth. No one else is going to get you up in the morning. No one else is going to break down that checklist. No one else is going to make you happy. You need to be happy through yourself and with yourself first before you can do anything else, before you can expect it to come from anywhere else. So by taking initiative, that doesn't just mean eating apples every day. That doesn't just mean running five miles every day. You need to find that balance for yourself. And as corny as that sounds, you're not going to find it on Instagram. You're not going to find it by making fitness women or men your background. You're not going to find it through those things, those superficial things. It's deeper than that. You know, I always say, and I forget where I hear this from, so I can't really quote them, but you come into this world alone and you leave alone. And what you make of it is up to you while you have your time here. Once you incorporate that into your lifestyle and you make those proper changes, those shifts, those tweaks, you won't regret it. And I really hope that me sharing my story with you guys, this sort of opened some eyes and just let some perspective in because that's what all this is about. I'm not trying to convert you guys. I'm not trying to uh, preach something or sell anything, obviously. I'm just speaking from the heart and from experience, and I really hope that this helps because it starts with your mentality. That's where it all starts. Thank you guys for listening so much, and um, always feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, and I'm going to start closing every podcast episode with a quote that I literally have written down my back. It's a beautiful day to be alive and don't forget it. Don't take advantage of it. Your goal for this week is to just appreciate that you have even an opportunity to prioritize, to focus on your mental health. And that's really it. So I'm really proud of you guys and thank you for holding in. That was a long episode. Uh, See you next time. Hey guys, this is Amanda. You're listening to Lifestyling, and today I'm going to talk about macronutrients. 
So other than what I learned and picked up on and was trained for by my personal trainers and nutritionists over the years, I don't have any medical training or anything like that. So I don't have a PhD. I don't have any sort of medical license or coursework other than some elective credits about fitness and nutrition. But I will say that I think what I found worked for me and what I've been taught really worked for me. And I will also say that when people reach out to me and they ask me about what I do and what they could do, how they could make little changes, and I give them my advice, in some aspect, it worked for them. So all I can do is speak from experience and give my personal preference and my knowledge based on what actual scientific fact is that if you wanted, you could dig up, you could even after this podcast, go on YouTube, go Google all about it. And they will tell you the same thing I'm telling you, only I'm able to tell you how it worked for me. So first, I'm going to talk about why are macronutrients important and what are they? Proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. The reason why they're called macronutrients is because we need these in larger quantities. So we need to take them in by eating foods that have these fats, have these proteins and carbs in order to have our body function properly and optimally. And macronutrients also give our body energy, which which is something that micronutrients can't do. And micronutrients are things like vitamins, uh, like vitamin B12, vitamin D, antioxidants. And I can go more into micronutrients, but um, I'm going to focus mainly on the macronutrients because this is what we use to track and this is what gives us energy, calories, and this is what's most important to achieving your weight loss goal as far as overall health. Micronutrients are really important because our body can't make them ourselves. We can't generate uh, vitamin B and, and vitamin C, so we need to take them in ourselves for our body to absorb them in order to maintain our health if we're in a deficit in any of those. And so when we think of macronutrients, I think one of the biggest issues is that people do not realize tracking macros are a lot more important than in some cases, tracking calories. Now, in the end, it's all the same. And I'll explain why in just a moment. But what people don't understand is every macro category, like a protein, carb, or a fat, they all have caloric weight. Calories can be thought of as energy. The amount of grams come with an amount of caloric energy. So the higher the calories, the more energy. One gram of protein is equal to four calories. One gram of fat is equal to nine calories. And one gram of carbs is equal to four calories. If a bowl of fruit is 10 grams of carbs, then you can assume you're eating 40 calories for the entire bowl of fruit. If you are eating one tablespoon of peanut butter that has five grams of fat, you can assume you're eating 45 calories for that one tablespoon of peanut butter. And throughout the media over the years, macronutrients have been shifted and portrayed in different lights that kind of scare people. For a long time, it was high fats was scary. 
avoid fat because they're more calorie dense. And yes, this is true, but there's different types of fat. As long as you know your overall calorie exponential of the day and how many you can have in a day to maintain, lose, or gain weight, then you can work around these macros so that you can reach your goals. The problem is, is that a lot of people don't know exactly what ratios to use. There's different ratios that you could use to organize your overall eating habits using these macronutrients. So for example, someone on the keto diet would be eating a very, very low percentage of carbs. It's probably five to 10% of their diet is carbs. Then it's a majority of fat, more like 60 or 70, and the rest is protein, 30 or 40% protein. That's for people who are following a ketogenic diet. Now, ultimately, at the end of the day, if you are tracking macros, you are in turn tracking calories, but you're focusing more on the quality of your food intake rather than the quantity. And I won't really get into the specifics behind why quality matters in this video. And eventually I'll talk about sugar and different types of fat so that if you only have 10 grams left of fat in your day, you spend it the right way. So if you did the math and you figured out that you could eat 1,600 calories a day to lose half a pound a week, a slowly healthy weight loss, the first thing I would recommend is to, is to try and experiment with your body. And experimentation could be a really tricky thing because you want to lose weight or you want to put on muscle and you don't want to waste time. You want to know what works effectively for you and you want to just do it. But unfortunately, if you've never had that done before, say, um, say this is your first time wanting to make a major life change, you'll have to start from scratch. Maybe start with cutting carbs, raising your fat and protein, and seeing how your body responds. If not, do low fat, see how your body responds. Maybe bring down both your fat and your carbs and bring up your protein and see what that's like. Or try ketogenic diet. Try paleo. Try things that allow you to reassemble your macronutrients and adjust as needed. Take notes, take measurements, and see how your body responds. The most important thing to do is stay calm. Know that you have a whole grand scheme of life that you could work with and that you will be working with. There's always time to make changes and you're not going to go off the rails after one week, two weeks, a month, or even two months of doing something that doesn't work for you. For me personally, when I raise my fat levels and raise my protein levels and lower my carb intake, I start seeing leaner in a cut. So once you figure out which works for you, say high fat, high protein, low carb works for you. I start noticing that my body takes on a leaner physique and I know that I'll be, you combine this knowledge with the with how many calories you need to eat in a day in order to be in a deficit. And then all you do is download a fitness app. I recommend using Carb Manager because the app allows you to easily shift the tracking capabilities from percentages down to the exact gram. And I personally find that Carb Manager is a lot easier than apps like MyFitnessPal. I just think it's easier to scan the item or find the item and easier to navigate. 
And then what I would recommend next is planning all your meals ahead, eating the same thing every day. With me, I think consistency is key. And if you have high willpower, then I definitely recommend it. But if not, it's definitely not the end of the world. You can have a weekly drop schedule where you have certain meals one day, other meals another day. It could be slightly intuitive, but bearing those macronutrients in mind. And you essentially go from there. You avoid any refined carbs, anything that's heavily processed. Then you try and focus on rich, wholesome foods. And I don't need to preach this to you. You guys know what's right or wrong. Um, most of the things that they market at places like Whole Foods and Trader Joe's in boxes, as much as they are a nice delight, a nice treat, I know I love Halo Top ice cream. I love, some people don't like certain protein chips and protein bars, but the fact of the matter is the only protein source that you should be getting other than from fresh meat or from fresh fruits and organic products should be from a protein powder. And mind you, this should only be incorporated into your diet maybe one or two times a day. I know for me, I like having a shake and I like having protein oats. So that really only limits my reliance on protein powder only twice a day. The best part about macronutrients, this video, I'm not going to talk too much about fiber, but by tracking your carbs, you know exactly how much fiber you're going to have too, is that it's more precise than just counting calories. And that's what I like about Carb Manager too, because since it's carb focused, fiber is easier to track along with it as well. And macronutrients, though you try to follow them as strictly as possible, it isn't the biggest deal if they aren't exactly on target. This is because if you're low on fat on Monday, and low on fat on Tuesday, then maybe the next two days you up your fat a little bit. It's okay to go over a bit. As long as by the end of the week, you're pretty much consistent with the according macronutrients that your body needs, I'm sure your goals will be met. And after being consistent and repetitious and staying motivated with your workouts, then you'll see the results you need over time for sure. And the quality of macronutrients do matter. With that being said, I do recommend everyone buying a, a food scale. I forget exactly what brand I use, but they're all the same. They're all efficient, and you could set it to grams, ounces, liquid ounces, whatever you need, because I find that this is better than A, eyeballing it, which is never an ideal way to track your food, or B, measuring it. And my rule of thumb to measure macronutrients the most efficient way is by weighing foods that need to be cooked, such as rice, pasta, oatmeal, things like that, dry first before you add water because water will add more weight and you don't want to overtrack. Also, when it comes to things like meat, like weighing chicken, fish, or red meat, if possible, try to weigh this before cooking as well. But if it's after cooking, it's not that big of a difference, but moisture also has to do with it. And this is how you will track accordingly to the weights because it's hard to measure meat going based off of those size comparability charts where you look at the palm of your hand. Everyone has different palm sizes. That's like totally nonsensical. I, I don't even get that. But I definitely recommend going out and buying a food scale and tracking your macros using an app 
I'll end today's podcast with, with keeping one more thing in mind. Tracking apps do not need to track perfectly. It is okay if you are under or over one day or two days or three days. It's okay. You can make it up. And let's just say you went over on the same day that you didn't really push yourself in the gym too much. Maybe go for a walk after dinner that day. Or maybe tomorrow, go for an extra 10, 15 minutes in the gym. Just push yourself a little bit more and it'll all equal out, I promise. There's no need to overstress and become addicted to calculating down to the exact microgram because your mental health is far more important than making sure you hit 63 grams of fat on the dot exactly seven days a week, every week for three months straight. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it and it's not realistic. Again, if you guys ever have any questions about calculating macronutrients or the products I use or things I recommend, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, Lifestyle or Amanda, and you guys will hear from me again next week. Thank you so much for hanging in and remember that it's a beautiful day to be alive.